0: I'm going to be very candid
1: with you. We are living in a computer program reality. Welcome, everyone, to Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Johnny Android, and I'm here to keep you informed about all that's happening in the metaverse. We record our episodes live at Allspace every week, and you can join us from your PC or VR headset. Just log into Allspace, join our Simulation Nation channel, and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. Tonight, we enter the nostalgia zone <laughs> the nostalgia zone. back to 1995 with Virtuosity, which sees a cop played by Denzel Washington who has to hunt down a virtual being who escapes into the real world to go on a murder spree. Joining me today is author and sci-fi sharpshooter, Anthony Trevino. How do you like that one?
0: Hey, oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> That's, that is now the coolest name that I'll never be able to live up to. <laughs> but I will start putting it on all my resumes in LinkedIn, which I never check.
1: So nice. yeah, exactly. So if, if anyone already recognizes Anthony's voice, he is one of the dickheads who is a expert and podcaster for Philip K Dick. And we have an episode with him and his uh, writing, uh, our podcast partner uh, a couple episodes ago. So go check that out. It's called uh, the dickheads um, and where we talk about Philip K Dick's legacy Um, But when we were having that talk, we had such a great time and we started talking about other weirdo movies uh, from the 90s about VR and we were like, well, we got to do virtuosity. Um, So this is something that you had loved when you were a kid. Anthony, is that your first introduction to virtuosity?
0: Yeah, so I saw virtuosity in 95 when it first came out, actually at the drive in. And Whoa. I kind of wish I kind of wish I knew what other movie it was built with, because I'm sure it was just another equally crazy 90s, probably 90s action movie. Uh, but I, I, I could not for the life of me remember what other
2: movie I saw it with.
1: Well, well, you know, the, uh, the director of this, Brett Leonard, was also the director of The Lawnmower Man, which is completely insane to me that he made The Lawnmower Man and then studios were like, that's our guy. we're doing another virtual reality movie. We got to get the guy who did the lawnmower man. And then they hired him for this movie. So that would be an insane double bill.
0: That would be awesome. So if anybody wants to do that, I'll show up. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah, the most confusing Stephen King adaptation I think that exists out there has literally nothing to do with the actual movie.
1: Absolutely. So you've read this, the story for the Lawnmower Man is like about a, literally a guy who cuts lawn naked. That's the story. There's mm-hmm. nothing to do with virtual reality whatsoever, and they just stole Stephen King's name and use it as a marketing tool.
0: Yeah. And I don't even think in, he even mows a lawn in virtual reality in that movie, if I'm not mistaken. No. So nope. it's it's a totally pointless grab and an excuse to use a Stephen King title to get people to show up to the movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because the uh, the producer of this movie is Gary. Uh, it was Gary Luchizzi. And if you look at his credits, his like top. Um, tomato meter score is like 30%. So he was like, he just was found his zone in here of like these (laughs) sort of strange nineties movies. And he just like made a living off of doing crazy stuff like that. Um, you know, so I don't know, I guess this, that's like this, he, he cobbled together this team and here we go. And they got two stars, although Denzel was a legitimate star then, but, um, uh, Russell Crowe is not right. Right. This, I think, I, is his first American movie, right? Or if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He made that crazy uh, Australian movie, like Rock and roll or something like that, where he played like, Roper Stomper. That's it. Romper Stomper. He played this like badass. And then I guess this was like his, oh, he's a great villain. So we'll bring him into America as a villain. And then he kind of became a big star. So it is interesting that this movie became a launching pad for a major star and was a vehicle for another star. So Gary Lucchese clearly knows what he was doing.
0: Yeah, of course, it is an interesting um, role I think for Denzel because he is a pretty prominent leading man, and I think this is, if I'm not mistaken, this is also post him playing Malcolm X.
2: Mm, could be
0: so. I so, so I wonder if wonder if Denzel was just like I want to have some fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because before, in preparation for this, I went back and read the I, so I found the third revision of the script in the fourth revision of the script. I wow. read all of the third revision wow. and I kind of skimmed the fourth cause I ran out of time. I'm mostly a perpetual C minus student. <laughs> um, right. Uh, and it just doesn't seem like the type of movie that a big star like Denzel would do. But at the same time, it's it's the 90s. Everybody's doing crazy movies, right? You guys watched, I think, Strange Days, which is yep. another insane 90s VR movie, Johnny Mnemonic, mm-hmm. uh, which I revisited after listening to your episode. And I had totally forgotten that the whole way that they they defeat kind of what's going on is with a dolphin.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Cyber Dolphin. Yes, it's not correct. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's yeah. insane. Yeah. And the craziest part, of course, is that uh the CIA or FBI have been proven to use uh dolphins tagged with geo uh techno devices. So it's actually the of all the things in Johnny Mnemonic, that actually turned out to be the thing that be that came true. Just <laughs> yeah. like, what? But you know, you know, reality is stranger than fiction sometimes. I don't know. Um So, okay, so 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 overall thoughts uh, of this movie, big, big picture here. Did you have fun? Did you did it? Did it hold up to what you remembered from when the 90s in this uh, drive in theater?
0: It it totally holds up as a fun movie. I don't know if it's a good movie. (laughs) All right. Right. Um,
1: because in, in, a, are we spoiler free or not spoiler free? Uh, the rule is if a movie came out over 10 years ago, it's on you to have watched it by now. So, uh, you can spoil anything you want. I guess it's, it's good to tell people, um, if you really want to watch versus watch it, go do it now, put us a bookmark us, come back to this after you've watched it, because we are going to spoil as of right now, as of our overall thoughts. So here you go.
0: I love everything up until the twist to figure out where, Madison Carter's daughter is mm-hmm. it, it just it feels so pointless and in the it still happens in the original script it's just her daughter's never in really in the original script like she has that conversation with Parker in the car but after that she kind of disappears mm-hmm. and in the original script Sid 6.7 is basically sending C4 through like, I think it's like a sewer truck or something to kill up, to blow up a politician. So, so they do kind of throw him back in the box to figure out where the bomb is uh, like they do in this one, but it's, it's, it's totally different. And it just kind of, it seems so cheesy after having already ripped out his uh, module. Right. And I, to be honest with you, Graham, I totally forgot that this even happened in the movie. And I've seen it right. a few times, even right. after I saw it at the drive-in and I went,
2: Oh yeah. Right. Uh, it's, eh, it's fine. <laughs> it seemed like an excuse
1: to have more VR. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And the, the you know, I, I, uh, the daughter thing, I was always like, oh, yeah they're really building up some kind of sentiment here. And I guess it, it connected back to like Denzel's past where his like wife and daughter was murdered. Right. It's, it's so, right. So he, he was, it was like all, he was going to be able to redeem himself, I guess is the sort of idea there.
0: But. right cuz he couldn't save them so he can save Madison's daughter. It's it's right. it's a pretty standard what I would call a stock redemption arc. Totally. Totally. Even though in the which makes for a better movie cuz in the script none of that is there. And you know how like the chalk is a callback to him doing, you know, chalk paintings with his daughter mm-hmm. and everything whereas in the in the original script it's it really has nothing to do with it other than the fact that he likes to draw, which I right. thought was so interesting and I I don't normally want to consult something like Wikipedia, but I did read on there that uh, he, Denzel, restructured a lot of the script in the dialogue, and it is better, mm. in, in my opinion. And I know Eric uh, burnt the original screenwriter, kind of called this movie a creative failure for him. Mm. Um, I was like, God, I don't know. It's pretty mm.
1: fun. Right, right.
0: There dude, there's so much stuff between the original script and the the, the actual shooting script and the movie that we, we saw. It's so there's so many things that are totally different, but there's glimpses of the original script and we can, well, I'll bring it up as we go along just because I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah. But feel free to tell me to shut up.
1: No, that's awesome. I love that you've read the script. Um, now I just feel like a slacker. I should have done that too. Um, but um it, I'm just I'm curious before I give my overall thoughts is like uh is the script better or the movie better?
2: There's a
0: couple of standout moments in the script that I thought were a little more cool where you know, I'm sitting here as a as a guy who loves these types of kind of over the top action movies. And I'm thinking, man, that would have been pretty bitching to see. Uh, for example, he gets both arms blown off.
2: <laughs>
1: and, he is in Denzel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Parker gets both. When he goes to rescue He's, his wife and daughter, right. both his He's arms gone. are blown off. Right.
1: He gets one blown Where, off in the movie.
0: Yeah. And then script it's two in the fight between him and the guy with the scar who I learned in the reading the script, his name's actually big red is a lot more brutal and takes place in the, uh, the bathroom of the prison cafeteria. And he, he, that's how you discover he has these bionic arms is because he's basically beats this guy to a pulp, but then he starts picking teeth out of the, out of the the skin of his hands. I was me being a total, a total dork for that stuff. I was like, Oh, that would have been kind of cool.
1: Right. 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 That's kind of crazy. This time you, yeah, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just gonna say, other than that kind of, kind of little stuff here and there like that. One of the biggest changes in the script to the film is actually Lindenmeyer is a much bigger character in the script because what they in inevitably find out by the end of the movie is that Sid 6.7 is an extension of Lindenmeyer. So the dominant personality in Sid 6.7 is Lindenmeyer
2: hmm.
0: as opposed to Sid kind of evolving into his own fully formed character, which I think is interesting, but I think I think the movie did a better job of having Sid 6.7 kind of just be his own fun. I'm, I dare, I say charismatic bad guy because sure. he's total. he's a total scumbag, but he's a lot of
1: fun to watch. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, he was the birth of Russell Crowe, the star, I guess. Right. Or at least, at <laughs> least close to it. So that's really, that's really interesting. So you're, so you're saying, so there are some elements of the script that you wish were in the movie, but um, okay. i got it. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah, smaller, yeah, so- smaller stuff. Sid kills Lindenmeyer at the end. And there's a, another scene where, cause you know how I'm Parker have the big fight on top of the TV station and mm-hmm. they fall through the glass at the end. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the script, they're fighting in like this trash truck. And then Parker shoves his head into like the, these, the, the it's like a door with jaws. jaws, right? Yeah. And it cuts his head off. And then later Lindenmeyer comes back and re puts the character module like in the next stump and the head reforms around it, which I thought, you know, as a guy that loves his body horror, that would have been cool to see. Right. And then right after that, he kills Lindenmeyer, which obviously is not what happens in the, in the movie when they, cause Lindenmeyer lives to kill my boy, William Forsyth.
1: Right. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I wonder if they just like ran out of budget to be able to pull out those kind of special effects or like they didn't know the wizardry of how to do it or something like that. That's yeah. I,
0: I probably that. And I, cause it's a whole shift from Sid trying to send bombs to kill his politician to hijacking a television station, which, but I think the TV station really plays more into Sid's personality than right. him just wanting to kill a politician. Cause it kind of turns into your, your generic, you know, Lincoln and child thriller so to speak.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and I guess Sid was always concerned with like, they were saying, well, he's programmed to get feedback and so that he wanted to be famous. So he would like kill people on air to be famous so that he would get feedback from the people and that would like fuel him or something. I I don't know. But but anyway, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's all interesting. Yes. So, um, yeah, my, you know, as, as far as my overall thoughts go, I, you know, my biggest, my biggest, um, disappointment. I had a lot of fun watching this, uh, but there was the biggest disappointment I had was when (laughs) near the beginning, unfortunately, where it was like, instead of, um, So the plot of the movie is basically that Denzel is this, uh, he's an ex cop who's now a criminal and they're using him in these experiments uh, in virtual reality in order to catch criminals. Um, And so they've created a criminal program that it's an amalgamation of all the great serial killers in history. And also including the uh, killer who killed Denzel's family. That is what led him to have to go into prison because he went on his violent rampage or whatever. So, so, so then he goes into, um, this virtual reality, but then he's sent back to prison. And then what happens is the Russell Crowe character, the Sid character, who's this amalgam of all these criminals, uh, escapes from virtual reality and uses some kind of nanotechnology to be able to create the body in the real world that he was in the virtual world. And now the virtual killer is off killing everyone in the real world. Right. Um, so that is the moment that I was like, Oh, I wish this movie went in the other direction where like we had to go into virtual reality to hunt the virtual killer who was killing the, the gamers or the players in the virtual world.
0: Oh. Because for me, oh, so, so you don't, you
1: don't like the, the fact that they bring Sid into the real world. Right. And so here, there's two reasons. Okay. There's two reasons why, why that disappointed me. Number one was that I, I was like, this movie really feels like it's in the shadow of T2. So Terminator 2 comes out in like 91. This movie's like 95, right? So anything that came after t2 is like a super hit and then any action movie that comes out to that is going to be influenced by it and everyone in the development process is like oh we gotta you know we gotta get more like t2 or something and so it felt like mm. oh we don't have a, a character from the future who can melt into liquid metal so we'll build a virtual monster guy who can melt into sort of virtual metal that's called nanorobotics, but it's is sort of like the same effect and sort of like he's the same unstoppable villain that the that the t what was it t2000 or, or whatever was t1000 t1000 was so um that was like oh man like the the act one was set up to be like this could have gone in a in a really innovative and interesting direction but instead they kind of reeled it back in to like play it safe and be a little bit more like the conventional action movies of the time um and Mm -hmm. then and then i did in the same token i felt like once we hit the button of like Act two, like okay, you know, Denzel in the in Act one had dreads and he was like a criminal and he's like oh, play you know, you, you know, and playing it all cool. But then as soon as like it's like they literally drew the curtain down on Act one and when you pull the curtain up, Denzel's cut, he's clean shaven, he's he's playing the the nineties cop guy that everyone knows. And it's like oh, they just went like literally directly into a cop procedural movie and they just like this is why Denzel was hired just to be the cop and he was like hitting the. Same beats that all the other cop movies hit. And it was like, oh, like I just felt like, oh, that was the opportunity that if it had only gone in the other direction, then I think it could have been a movie that more people are talking about today and more people are remembering because it would have been a little different, you know?
0: Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I, I, I totally agree with everything that you're saying. My, my, my vision is colored by complete nostalgia for sure. Uh, because rewatching it, I was like, oh yeah, it's the mid nineties. Did they need Denzel to be a leading man? And I wonder if it was in his contract where he's like, I'm not wearing this dread, this dreadlock wig the entire time. Right. But, but it, I think the original script actually does do a little bit more of, they actually kind of make him more unlikable and Madison and William Forsyth character who has character, has a different name and he, he, there's like very minimal amount of their friendship going on. They, they all seem to be convinced that he is this like very scary, very violent man that they don't want to release back into society, but they're forced to. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the original script plays a lot more with that than the, the, what we saw. And, and I think, I wonder if, if they were just worried but they're like, we can't make Denzel unlikable.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, even if though, like if, okay. So if, you know, if they were, if they were like, well, we don't want to enter this virtual reality because there's a killer loose in there and it's killing people in the real, like if you die in the virtual world, it kills your brain and fries your brain in the real world. Then we're going to have to send this ex con in. And if Denzel, you go in there as an ex con and uh, I guess I shouldn't say ex con as a con, uh, he's a convicted felon and you succeed at taking down Sid, then we will release you in the real world and you will be not a convict anymore and you will get your freedom. I think that could have been like a cool kind of, uh, angle where you could have had this unlikable guy, but he's still fighting for his redemption as opposed to like in this movie, like they give him his, re- they give him his freedom at least at the end of act one, he still has to earn his inner redemption, but there's no real stakes to that. Cause we never really see his inner turmoil and we never really, you know what I mean? And we know that he's a cop again, they gave him back his badge and his gun. So it's not like they're going to pull that back if he doesn't catch Sid. So it's right. kind of like those stakes are a little bit dampened. I,
0: I, I, I almost wonder if that was in, a, in an original draft, like early, early on, like maybe a first or second draft. And they were like, we don't have the technology or yeah, the budget to do for sure. to do that for sure. Because that- uh, because what you're saying is definitely a movie I'd 100 percent would watch and probably think is a better movie. right? Right. But but I think I think for me, what really sells this is isn't you know, Denzel for once. Cause I'm a total Denzel Stan, but it's, it's Russell Crowe's performance. I think much like Nolan's the dark Knight, y- where you watch the movie f- for the Joker, right? Nobody, w- I, I, I'll just, I'll probably get hate mail for it, but like, I don't watch the dark Knight Cause I think it's a good movie. I watch it because Heath Ledger crushes it as the right. Joker. Right. And, and just like Russell Crowe basically totally goes nuts in this role. And it makes for me, it kind of makes me forget just kind of how generic a lot of the procedural stuff is. Right.
1: Yeah. There's no question. I, you know, and I love Denzel in this role also. I think he's just got such like, he's just like a movie star. You're like, Oh yeah, I love watching this guy. I'll just, I'll just watch him. And I, I think he, I think he's great. Um, And uh, yeah, you know, I, Russell Crowe is, is really fun too. Like you can see that he's going to have a a future. Um, I, his, his character, I was like, well, you know, it, 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 didn't, I didn't quite understand the motivation of this guy. Like, um, like, okay. So he escapes into the real world and then he just, decides he's going to be go on a rampage, right? Like he doesn't really, and I guess the, the logic is, well, he's, a uh, congl- an amalgamation of all of these serial killers. So therefore he's just a mad murderer, but like none of those serial killers just go into rooms and like blow people down with a, a machine gun. They're more like methodical and like devious and evil. And like the, the cat and the mouse. And he doesn't really get to do that as much. Well, I think
0: they're also more nuanced. Something that I would have liked to have yeah. seen more in, in the movie was kind of him develop his own personality by trying out all the weirdo different things. The totally. other serial killers did as he went through kind of his rampage. Totally. But I, I think that they didn't really know how to balance that because there's elements again, like I, I hate to keep repeating to keep saying in the, in the original script, you know, the one no one else knows what I'm talking about. Um, he there's this connection to Lindenmeyer being this failed music, like this failed classical musician. And so that's why you get all those lines of dialogue where Sid's like, Oh, I have something else you can listen to the symphony of destruction. And he smashes mm-hmm. into the other car. And then previously where well, my, probably my favorite scene in the movie where he conducts that entire uh-huh. symphony with those, uh, you might know this I'm bad with technology. What are those things called? Do I have you no know? idea.
1: They're like electro bongo drums. I have no yeah. idea. I know. I was like, are, these, are those real? Are those made up for this movie? I thought so, they were made up. I was like, that's the coolest tech yeah. of all the of all this stuff. Yeah cuz he yeah. was like a DJ so, right so he was, yeah he was a DJ who was playing the sort of drums but the drums uh like he was doing a, a loop one of those be- those loops that um that he would like record someone scream and then that would become like one of the instruments that he would be able to play when he hits the button uh mm-hmm. I, but uh, yeah I don't know I think that they made up that whole thing
0: yeah, because I've been thinking about it all day, and then I guess I <laughs> right. could have just looked it up. But so, right. so, so there's this weird tie to classical music, and Sid's personality is probably a little bit more consistent in the original script as opposed to here, where you know, like you're saying, he just kind of shows up, shoots everyone, and then runs off to go, you know, create havoc somewhere else. Right. I will say this. There is no uh, glass regeneration in the original script. He just regenerates. And I got to say movie improved on that because it's, it's cooler to watch for me.
1: Wait, so th- there's no glass regenerate. He just regenerates. So, so, I see. So they were the one, they invented the idea that, well, he's got to get Silicon from the glass. And th- that was a movie right. in convention. I see. Interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which I don't know, which I don't know how like possible that is, or if it's just movie junk science. I'm sure. Yeah. But, yeah, but it's certainly at least more fun to watch. You know, I was watching it with my girlfriend at the end when they smash the glass. She's like, this doesn't seem like a very good plan if they're all just he's just going to re-regenerate amongst right. these piles of glass. And I was like,
2: no, it's fine. Right. Stop questioning movie. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, Stop. Exactly, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. I, I wonder though, what 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 other what motivation could they have given Sid that would have felt, I don't know, more original or or more unique. You know what I mean? Like even in in Terminator, I guess the excitement is that he has a very specific mission, which is to kill the savior of the future resistance. So it's like, Oh wow. That's like, that's a cool mission. But this mission was just kind of like, aha, I'm, you know, I've got a mustache. I'm twirling it. I'm evil. Um, it's too bad that he didn't have a little bit more of like, I don't know, a vendetta against, you know, Denzel's character for killing him or whatever. And then he was going to like hunt him down and just terrorize his life. Maybe that would have been more pointed as opposed to just like this mad, uh, mayhem into the world. I- I'm not sure.
0: I think they just didn't know which way to go. I think they were very, very gun shy about picking like a hard line and going with that because their relationship is very borderline Joker Batman, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Sid
0: shows up to taunt Parker in vain of Matthew Grimes. Parker shows up. He's got to deal with the havoc that Sid's created. He runs off. But, but I, I think a, I think a better character, a better way to approach the character of Sid is to make his main motivation, at least in my opinion... Not to just gain all these, these weird, I guess what you would call them now with social media like followers or everybody look at me, but to kind of have him, his chief desire to be to never be forced back into virtual reality. Mm-hmm. If right. he can fully live as a, as a sentient being in the real world, then he would do anything he can to kind of maintain that.
1: Well, see, that would be interesting because then it would be like, oh, the virtual world, anything electronic is a prison for him. So maybe he's going to go to the power uh, source of the city and just like take down the Internet and take down like society, because if they can go back to a barbarian, you know, sticks and stones kind of society, he'll always be free. That would have been like really interesting. Right. Yeah. Well, it would be even great if he had like a vendetta
0: against Parker, but his bigger vendetta is to basically destroy V.R., Right. So he can never be forced to go back.
1: Totally, totally. I, I, I think that, yeah, destroy VR, and then beyond, like even the, just like yeah, anything that's like it could lead to the VR, like it, it, Wi-Fi, and like all you know. Then it could be like these huge stakes, and like. Then it's, yeah, then it's like really, yeah, I think that could have also honed in into a little bit more of a thematic point. Because um, I don't know, did you did you get any message here? It's sort of grasping at straws a little bit to find what is there anything behind this movie?
0: I don't think there is i think it's all over the place yeah um and and, and you know coming from somebody that reads a lot of pkd uh in gibson and you know which are very feel very di- diametrically opposed in their kind of ideas about artificial intelligence now whereas dick on the one hand i think was very like this stuff is not great and gibson is obviously very much a, a supporter of of all you know technology and stuff like that um I I, I struggled to kind of, I tried to look at it from a a Gibsonian point of view and a Dickian point of view. And I don't, I don't think either one is really on, on, on display there. I think it was just like, Hey guys, cyberpunk's really hot right now. Let's get a cyberpunk
1: script. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Hey, people are talking about virtual reality. Hmm. Could we do like a Terminator two, except with a virtual man instead of a robot? (laughs) Yeah. Like I got yeah, we'll have, have lines. It's a billion dollar idea. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, the only, the only possible glimpse of a purpose I could find here is that in the end, the, the uh, Sid character is kind of like, um, look at me. Violence is in your nature. This isn't my fault. You programmed me with all of these human personality traits. And now I'm just, I've been programmed to wreck havoc on the world and it's not my fault. It's you guys. So that was like the only like, okay, that's like something you can hang your hat on. Yeah. And it, I mean,
0: it's something we've seen in a different, in different ways, a million times, you know, it's the villain holding the mirror up saying, look at me and you society, I'm okay. you and you're me. We're all intertwined in our love for violence. So right. it's all your fault, not all mine. Right. <laughs> You know, I think if they hadn't gotten Russell Crowe to be in that role, it might be
1: less fun to watch. Totally, totally, totally. And, you know, even but in, in it, going off the, the point that the, that you're like, well, because they talk today a lot about programmer bias, right? So it's like, how, you mm-hmm. know, how do we know, like the fate you say, well, the Facebook al- algorithm might not be biased, but then you would say, well, who is the one who programmed the Facebook algorithm? And it's like, you know, Zuckerberg clones basically. So then it's like going to be biased towards the the white male or, or whatever. So I could, you know, if they, yeah, if they were a little more articulate in, in developing that, it, it could have been something that was interesting. But
0: um, what do you think about the fact that in the like originally he is an extension of Lyndon Meyer because Lyndon Meyer wants to give back at society for essentially shunning him and there's this whole subplot about like he created this like electronic keyboard that somehow harmed the, the stu- the young, like prodigy students using it. And it, it, it's, it all ties back to Lennon Meyer in the script, which feels more coherent. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just, I'm just wondering, why do you think they didn't do that? Does that sound too overcomplicated?
1: Yeah, I mean, it certainly sounds like from what you're describing in the script that they took out all nuance, right? Like they literally streamlined everything to be a action movie, a summer action movie. And they took out all thought, all nuance, all, all, all of that stuff. So yeah, it's, it's great that you read the script and you, we can defend the writer a little bit and say, you know, as, as we know, being uh, writers ourselves, that damn it, if only the world would listen to us, we would be able to make better content. It's their fault, darn it.
0: Now I have a question for you, since you you usually dot dive into the tech. Which is, to me, this movie is bookended by VR, but for the majority of
1: like the middle of the movie, it's kind of absent. Yep. Yeah. Which is, which exa- again goes with like what I wished the story had gone, which was like make act one in the real world and act two in the virtual world. And then, you know, that, that I think would have been a, a better lasting movie, but yeah, I, that's why I, I just, yeah, they, they get into this sort of generic cop procedural in act two. And I totally did the, the most exciting tech was this this, this electronic bongo drum loop, a uh, feedback loop of like killing people and getting their screams and using that as a weapon. And that was the coolest part that I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. I like that. He's like a symphony of destruction. You know, as orchestrator of, uh, of horror. Yeah. And, and, and he
0: let Tracy Lords live. Thank God. <laughs> so, right. Um, um I- no, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just, I was going to ask you, um, because you're, you're a little bit more in tune with technology and in, in VR than I am, um, of all these movies in the nineties, wh- where do you think this, this like strange perpetual, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but this like weird inherent fear that people seem to have about technology and VR in general, where the message always seems to be, yeah, it's good, but you yeah. know, just, oh. you know,
1: well, I so, so have done that, this show and go I'm ahead. Glad you asked yeah. that, Anthony, because I've thought about this and I've, I'm thinking, I think I've thought about it more from a mechanic point of view, from a writer, just nuts and bolts, mechanical point of view. Because I've heard this um, critique before, like, why is every sci-fi movie the technology is bad or it causes some kind of problem for humanity? And I, I guess what I would say is I challenge you to write a story that's sci-fi that doesn't include that. And the reason I say that is because you have to, um, create conflict. That's what drama is constructed of. And so from just the nuts and bolts of storytelling, if you're going to deal with a new technology in your story, then it's gotta be, it's gotta create conflict and, and, and friction in the world, uh, or else it'll just be kumbaya and you can't kumbaya is boring right so uh, yeah that's true okay fair Right. So I, I'm, I'm the most tech loving, like tech centric optimist about the future optimist that technology can help us and, and, and bring us to another, another level of transhumanism and all of that stuff. Like I, I believe all of that. However, if I was going to construct a story about that, I would have to show the dangers and troubles along the way. And then at the end of the story, I may arrive at that, but along the way, I would have to show the pitfalls and perils or else I don't have a story.
0: I agree. I I totally agree. I I think I would just position it in such a way where I would say that the tech itself isn't bad. It's in the in the case of, say, like Sid 6.7. Controversial statement, is it Sid's fault he is the way he is or is Lindenmeyer the real villain of the movie? Yeah.
1: Right. So it's the, it's it, it, right. It's like the, the tools are not the enemy. It's the user of the tools that, that is the, the enemy. Absolutely.
0: Or the, or the creator, like you were saying earlier about how, you know, can you really, you know, what, what is the intent of whoever created this program or the Facebook algorithms? Like where, where is, where does that bias, is there a bias in this program based off of biases of the creator of it? Right. Right. Did that right. make sense? Exactly.
1: Right. Yeah. There's
0: a lot of words coming out oh, of my face.
1: Absolutely. Um, that, 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 that's exactly it. Right. That's so that shows that the human error is the thing that's causing the foible along the way or something like that. That totally. Makes so, sense.
0: Yeah. So we arrive back at where the problem again
1: We're the problem. So well, you're either going to have the text, the problem or the humans are the problem or, you know, okay. So here, here, so we got, we got two sci-fi geeks here. We got to be able to think of a movie that ends in a positive no for humanity because they have used technology. I'm going to go off the top of my head. Uh, 2001. Um, okay. You've got Hal, which is a problem, right? And, uh, he, he goes insane and he destroys a lot of things. But in the end, uh, what, what I interpret the end to be is that they enter into the, the monolith and, uh, the, and become a star child. So they evolve by, going into the monolith and, um, sort of escaping the trappings of our f- feeble little minds. And we become this evolved being, uh, and so then it was the technology of the monolith that got us there. So there's a good one. And that's hey, Kubrick. Yeah. He's like the most cynical son of a bitch that <laughs> ever, uh, picked up a camera. So, you know,
0: all right. Uh, all right. So everybody's, I'm going to show my nineties kid card real nice. fast with this. Nice. Okay. Independence Day. What do we solve the problem with? It's a virus. So we take something that is typically seen in a negative light. We infect a... It's, let's not get caught up in how realistic this is. <laughs> and we <laughs> infect their technology with something that is deemed harmful for us here, right? Right. And it's practically saves the day. Yes, before everybody starts tweeting at me, I, I understand that Independence Day is basically War of the world's updated. Right. I know. Right. Well, no. Uh, well. That's okay, but, but you can't take my childhood summer away from me.
1: So. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, so hey, that I'm would okay. that would be mine. Yeah. And Hey, we're talking, well, we're talking about Terminator two Terminator, Terminator one, the Terminator was the bad guy Terminator two. He was the good guy who came back to save the human. And so again, it was like the robot can turn to good and be used as a tool for good, or could be used for a, a tool for evil, depending on who is the one, um, programming it, I guess, or is the one behind it. So yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting question there. I, I, uh, I have thought about that though. And I, I was like, I, cause I do love technology and I do want there to be a optimism to what technology can do. But I'm like, but that's just a boring story. How do I create an interesting story out of that? Maybe <laughs> we've just solved it. Maybe we just crack the code.
0: Hey, or, you know, down the road, just get down and, and write it and get just, down and, you
1: know, that's it. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay. I, I, I just, I just think it's always funny to me. Have you ever seen that meme of Abe Simpson where it's old or it's the newspaper clipping of old man yells at cloud.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, of course.
0: That's, that's always what I think of when people are like, Oh, technology, it's going to destroy the world. You know, it's these people who are older that are like, you're only, people are right. always on your phones and, and blah. it's like, just everybody calm down. Right. I'm sure there was somebody way back when, when the phone first got invented, they were like, why would I want to talk to my neighbor? Right. I, I, you know, it, it, I think it's it's also a generational thing to a degree but
1: well, I do, I do struggle with that also because it, it's almost like all, all uh, in today's world, it, it's a blessing and a curse. Like it, it creates the most incredible life extension, health, uh, it's creating more, uh, a, a greater economy and education around the world. So if you look at like the statistics, like the life expectancy and, and life, uh, um, value or, uh, how, how much we have happiness in life and, and all of that in almost every metric, maybe every metric has like increased every year almost exponentially, and yet we are, seem to be more curmudgeon-y and hateful of it than ever before. And it's like, well, it's kind of interesting because, you know, uh, but I think the reason for that is because, yes, on the one hand, it's it, it's freeing us up and it's increasing our standard of living and all of that stuff. But on the other hand, I th- I believe this is where we're getting a little, you know, whatever. But like, we're headed a- away from the industrial age into. A, a new age like a uh, um digital age if you want to call it that or transhuman age or whatever you want to call it but our old way of doing things is, is fraying at the seams. It's sort of, it's, it's falling apart. And so we can blame technology for forcing us into a new age. Um, and that friction and that, that, uh, trouble getting there is, um, never comfortable and, uh, it makes us have to evolve and give up a lot of the things that we believe to be true in the past. And we are constantly changing and constantly, um, dealing with new data that's being presented to us. And, um, it seems to be accelerating. And so that's not a comfortable feeling, but at the same time, if we can get through that to something else, then maybe, you know, um, it'll be even better than where we've been. Uh, and there's no turning back. So, um, yeah, maybe that's, I think it's just, it's causing so much, uh, friction in our lives that it's, it's both a blessing and a curse. I don't know. I I don't know. I think if it's moving
0: us forward into like a, I I hate to sound like a dork, but a a brave new world, so to speak. Right. Right. I think it's great. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm glad I'm living through this, this time of advancement socially, you know, tech with technology Mm -hmm. and everything. It's, I I think it's super cool. I, I think that I understand people being uncomfortable and afraid, but that always comes with this weird fear of the unknown that I think is built into us you know, as human beings. But I, I, I think it's something that's awesome to live through. Totally. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. If you want to, you want to live in exciting times. Well, we, you know, here it is like we're, this is what it feels like.
0: I never thought I'd actually live through a a pandemic. Right. So, you know, um, but so what, what do you think? Like at at the end of the day, did this movie, was it an enjoyable watch for you? Or were you kind of like, Oh God,
1: it was, it, it was enjoyable. I enjoyed elements of it. I enjoyed, uh, the performances. Um, and I, 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 it's always fun to watch a sort of like kitschy nineties movie and be like, Oh, look at that. Oh my God. Look at how they did that. Um, I don't think I ever overcame that disappointment of where the movie went as opposed to where I wanted it to go. And mm-hmm. and because of, like, I love more than anything, and I'm sure you do. I love, Um, when a filmmaker takes risks and they maybe look stupid because they went too far in one direction. Like David Cronenberg is like the perfect example, right? Like that guy just goes for it. Like he just is like, and I will appreciate something more when it airs on the side of risk-taking and originality as opposed to it airing on the side of what uh, catering and pandering to what they think an audience wants and what they think they will get in the box office. So I, I, I liked watching it. I want I've been wanting to watch this movie for uh, at least a year because it's been on my list for a year. So uh, I, I was, I'm so glad that I was able to do it. Um, but you know, that doesn't mean my wow score is going to be that high. <laughs> And how Fair. about you? How about you? We're, uh...
0: <laughs> I, I think again, I'm totally colored by nostalgia. It was a, it was a big influence on me is like a, like one of the big action movies I, I saw growing up and its influence has kind of shown up through having watched it twice. Now, before we did this, it, it with my villains who are always kind of talky and charismatic and I I don't want them to just be like, Hey, I'm a bad guy. I do bad stuff. I kind of want there to be this element of fun in a lot of my villains. So I I think this movie has more of a stamp on me as a writer for however good or bad that might be. (laughs) Um, and, and I want to acknowledge that I love Denzel. I will stand Denzel to the grave yeah. But like I said, with the, the whole VR twist where we're like, oh, we got to we'll throw him back in VR and then we're going to find you know, Kaylee Kuoko, which I didn't even realize was her until I rewatched this movie for mm-hmm. this episode. Um, then I start thinking, well, structurally, I get it. But because we've spent so much time with very little VR, it really seems kind of like we got to a point in the script and went, oh, shit, that's right. <laughs> this is a movie about virtual reality. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's throw that in. Yeah. You know. And, and so, does it hold up? Not really. But I still have a lot of fun with it, and I, I think for me, Russell Crowe's performances is so bad guy charming and endearing that I'm willing to let a lot of other like structural things and writing things slide. Right. Uh, I will tell you this though that the end where Parker throws the module off the the roof and it gets run over is better than the ending of the original script, which is where a truck pulls up like a work truck pulls up and, uh, Madison and, and, Parker go over and they're like, "Can we borrow these?" And they they throw the module on the ground. They pick up these sledgehammers and they start smashing it while classic rock starts blaring from the wait, truck. God. I was like, "This is ridiculous."
1: No, that's great. You know, I had a problem. <laughs> with that, I think actually, I had a problem with the movie. Really? I was yeah, because I was like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait." You've got the worst serial killer in all of human history, and you're not. 100% guaranteeing its destruction. Instead, you're leaving That's its chance to like <laughs> just toss it into the air and hope that it smashes when it lands because it doesn't smash when it lands. It does not smash. No, it
2: doesn't. It, it
1: just rolls no, on the it's... ground. And he is so lucky, and we are all so lucky that a truck just happens to come by and smash it. But like, I'm like, Denzel, man, like, <laughs> you know, like this is you know, just put your just stop your foot on it. Get a sledgehammer, smash it to pieces before your eyes. That's what I needed.
0: <laughs> well, they, they totally smash it in yeah. the, uh, in the, in the script. And I was like, guys, the combination of this with the, 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 the classic rock. I'm like, was it like Steve Miller band or Led Zeppelin playing Sweet. while they smashed this module in the street. Sweet. I was like, oh, God, what, what is this? <laughs> so it, it, and if they were to ever do a virtuosity Two sequel, they'd have it where like somehow he ended up with the Sheila 3.2 module and it wasn't actually SIDS that got run over. That's right. how I imagine they would probably try to
1: shoehorn in a, a sequel. Totally. Totally, I love how. By the way, but, the, uh, the humans are like giant Atari cartridges. Like that's yeah, that's the great. that's how they fit into the machine. And it's like they've got their names on them. Um, we watched Thirteenth mm-hmm. uh, Floor, which of course a remake of World on a Wire, which is a, a, a adaptation of simulacum Three, the book. And so they they, <laughs> they very much do that as well. In the old one, they're like like here's like the cartridge which represents this you know uh, non-player character, and here's the cartridges that represents that. I love that and then Uh, he's got the little like golden wand
0: thing that he uses to pull him out i was like i don't know what this is but it looks cool so i don't care (laughs) um but i have a question for you because i haven't listened to your world on a wire episode i watched world on a wire all in one sitting the five did you watch it in parts
1: yeah part one and part two i'm not a glutton for too much punishment and so that was uh let me tell you
0: yeah that's that was a mistake. This, <laughs> yeah. That was a mistake.
1: That's like five. That's so. a miniseries. series. It's a video series made in I, 1970 dude. television for Germany. Like not great production value. A little slow. Yeah. I was in, co- I was
0: in college at the time. We were like, we got time. Let's do it. Yeah, cool. Regrets.
1: I have to give you props for even knowing about that movie in college. That's pretty incredible that you were had found it out. Uh, what, what led you to that movie in college? I wonder.
0: Oh, I'm a total, uh, I'm a total criterion collection dork. Uh-huh. So, oh, I got it, got it. so as soon as they, as soon as they, they put it up there, I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. I'll check it out. I like to, uh, watch things that sound almost impossible to watch right. all in one go. Right. So, right. so yeah, that's, that's how I ended up there. That's how I ended up watching in the realm of the senses, which okay. uh, is yep. not a great. Date movie, so
1: well, don't do that. On your, depends on your day. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You fair, uh, <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, so hey, you gotta fine, get it to, to us now. No more. no more, no more suspense. Suspense is gonna kill our, our audience here. What is your wow score for 1995's virtuosity?
0: <sighs> I know some of my old school friends. If they listen to this, they're gonna be like,
1: "What."
2: <laughs>
0: but I I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a six out of 10 wows,
1: a six out of 10 wows. That is, that is not what I was expecting. That was not what I was expecting. Yeah, You talked it like up. You talked fun. a good game. You talked it up. Yeah. You, yeah. Sorry. You're saying your friends would be like, how dare you give it so low or how uh, is that what they would be pissed about? Oh
0: yeah. Oh yeah. They, yeah. The, some of my closest friends, like we bonded over this movie, but I, I got a, uh, something when I, when I, kind of started doing a lot of like serious literary criticism and film criticism, which is a very stuffy way of saying I review things. Um, I I had to kind of start looking at things not as what they are, so to speak, but how the creator, like what the creator's intentions were. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know what the intentions of this movie are to be quite honest. As as we talked about, it's kind of, all over the place it's it's this it's that it's we need a vr movie because cyberpunk and vr is hot right now you know you know we got to compete with johnny mnemonic and strange days and
2: yeah,
0: all this other stuff and it, it just I, I i can enjoy it and i can sit down and go yeah this movie's totally not great but i have a good time with it so yeah six out of ten wows from this kid
1: well believe it or not, after I just like spend an hour trashing it, I gave it a six point five. So, so I Whoa. In, what? In the end Damn. Of the day, I gave it a better score than you and you were defending it the whole time. That's a crazy <laughs> Yeah, but it made for a way better conversation than two dudes being like, that movie was great, right? Yeah, yeah it was pretty. yeah, great. yeah, 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 exactly. Um, that's really funny. Yeah, 6.5, because I, I had fun watching it. I, like I said, the performances were great. I thought that the initial idea uh, was really intriguing, and uh, and there were some moments of like excitement with Russell Crowe doing the music and all that kind of stuff. I do agree. I think that you're probably right in the sense that they just didn't have the budget, the special effects budget, to be able to make the entire movie in virtual reality. Because if you look at the opening... Uh, hook scene, the first five to 10 minutes of the action scene, it's all in virtual reality. And there's a lot of like glitching going on, a lot of melding of like shapes and, and it, it would have, um, the, you could tell they spent a big effects budget on that opening scene. They're like, whoo, okay, well we're done with that budget. There goes our like 10 million. <laughs> now, like, you know, let's try to make yeah. the rest of this movie for a uh, shoestring. I totally think that that, and then in act three, they're like, well, for the finale, we got to bring back some effects budget. So let's like, you know, do this there. I think that's exactly probably part of what happened um well one more fun
0: fact about the 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 script i read before before we we go uh that whole opening you know from the jump that they're in they're in like a simulation in the script it leads up to it so you don't know until Sid kills Donovan and then the camera pulls out, which I thought was kind of interesting. I actually think it, it does. A, they, they do a better job of just showing you that it's a, it's a weird simulation from the start
1: yeah they he gets off the train and immediately you see everyone's like an npc they're all like the same uh suit wearing dudes and yeah actually the very first shot is like there's an escalator and there's like two twin suit guys coming down the escalator and you're like oh, okay i get it already you know yeah but it's um, blurry
0: at first so it's artsy right. and i love it
1: right yeah, yeah yeah. it's like
0: i love the sid 6.7 head talking about himself i thought it was a cool touch
1: but see if they had done that with the script was was purporting that they do then they could have pulled that off all through act two because then you wouldn't have had to have had all of these special effects to show you in virtual reality because virtual reality would have been exactly like our world
2: i agree i'm not no argument here man you
1: know this writer they you know the uh, guys just give writers blank checks and let them make movies (laughs) and don't mess it up that's what that's the message of this podcast
0: Actually, I would I would I'll, I'll take it further and I say and I would say stop assuming your audience is dumb.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Right. Because so often, so, so more often than not, I watch a movie and I go, oh, that line of dialogue is so your average viewer goes,
2: Oh, right.
0: as opposed to kind of picking up on the subtext where, you know, I call it, I call it the, uh, the comedian is your father line in Zack Snyder's Watchmen adaptation, where if you've ever read the graphic novel, you, you it's just implied and it's never outright said, but in the yeah. film, you know, Dr. Manhattan straight up says he's your dad. Get it. Right. You know? And I'm like, you can just not assume we're dumb, right. but
1: totally. Yeah. You know. Uh, well anyway, um, yeah, this was, this was really fun. I'm glad we got to do this. Um, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way?
0: Uh, I'm on Facebook. You can Google me or Google me. Ugh, that was a weird <laughs> thing to say. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Yeah. I'm on Facebook, Anthony Trevino. You'll know it's my me because I, I have a very serious picture with my arms crossed. Um, and you know, if you've ever in doubt of, if it's me, just look for the loudest shirt in the picture. um, I think, uh, I'm most active on Instagram. I mean, you probably know this. I'm, I'm mostly active on Instagram at, I think it's Anthony underscore Trevino nine, seven, six in pretty much in those two places. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I can't remember my handle right now cause I don't really use it. Mm-hmm. So I, I show up if I have a new book out and then I go, it's out. And then I don't check it for like another 500 years or however long it takes me to put something new out. Right. And you can check out the Dickheads podcast, which where we discuss all the works of Philip K. Dick in chronological order and a little bit about Dick himself.
1: Yeah, and it's great. And um, the the feedback I got from that episode was great. They uh, people love you guys, um, and so definitely check it oh, awesome. out. And also, you know, your I love your Instagram. You're very you have a lot of horror sci-fi stuff. You have a you read a lot. You're a, you're an avid reader, and you show your, your yes. reviews and things like that. So it's like a cornucopia of knowledge. I hope everyone goes and checks out your Instagram.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, show up, show up. Let's talk about books. I'm always happy to talk about books or film, horrors, sci-fi. I am uh, reading right now. I'm in the process of reading Bruce Sterling's. I think it's called islands in the net, which mm. is, Interesting. It's my second Bruce Sterling book. Before that, I had only read Holy Fire. I don't know if you've read that, but uh, I'm not. It, it's a. Uh, I love he, Gibson. I'm not the biggest Sterling fan.
1: He did he read schismatics also. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. Um he yeah, he's on my list. Uh he's on my list. I haven't gotten to him yet though. So um I, I love William Gibson also, so I just I just stick with stick with him. Um
0: I got one more left in the sprawl trilogy that I've been i put, put putting Mona Lisa Overdrive off and then um you know eventually I'll get there, but I just kinda like having it.
1: Have you read Burning Chrome also?
0: Mm-mm. I've read so, Neuromancer and Count Zero.
1: Yeah, so then, so Mona Lisa, so uh, so Burning Chrome also deals with the Sprawl, apparently, uh, but it precedes even some of the stories precede Neuromancer, I believe. So it's sort of like, oh, okay, uh, it's uh, I I read it back in like high school, and it's on my list to read again. I don't remember uh, too much of it, but um, anyway, that's the other. I love the Sprawl. I love I love Gibson. I love the Sprawl. Uh, all that stuff's great. Yeah. um okay. all right well uh well thank you for teleporting into this worldcast of simulation nation whether you are with us in virtual reality not today or 2d uh or listen to the podcast a week from now on spotify or itunes and remember to subscribe to our instagram at the simulation nation twitter at sim nation vr facebook and discord and join us next week for our interview with evolve vr founder jeremy nickel until then stay plugged my friends